What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Darkcast Network. Indie pods with a dark side. Hi, this is Kelly. And this is Jenna. And you're listening to ODFM. This episode is one deep freeze from murder. Somewhere cold or somebody in a deep freeze. There you go. (laughs) Yes, deep freeze. Er, okay. So in this story, a deep freeze, like that's what they call it. They call it a deep freeze. I just always called it like a, like an, like not an independent freezer, but like just a standalone freezer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the kind that's like a rectangle and you have one in our garage with Right. Exactly. People have them in their garage. Right. Body size, about perfect for bodies. Yes, right, exactly. So, but they literally refer to it as a deep, deep freeze, freeze or the deep freeze, which I think was like the model. I think it was like an Amana deep ah. freeze, but they just referred to it like like we call the a band aid, even right. though that's like that's, the brand name, yeah, the, right. or Kleenex. So, yep, yes, gotcha. they just call it the deep freeze, right? And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. all right. Well, when else are we going to use this as a title? So let's go for perfect. it. Perfect, right? All right. Okay, so we are going to a small town in Texas. Oh, Texas. Texas. So they need the deep freeze because it's it gets uh, hot. Yeah, it gets hot. Also, I have a little tidbit that I just saw the other day that I thought was amazing. I think it's yeah. in Sweden. They say, so anything that's crazy or out of control, they refer to as Texas. So like, they'll be like, this party is Texas. <laughs> oh my God, that says so many things. That is so... Oh my God. Well, that's why like, I mean... Only like a section of this country has a Southern accent. But whenever you go somewhere else, they're like, what's your Amer- uh, your American accent? They always put a Southern accent on it. <laughs> That's right? so true. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just popular. Okay. There's, anyway, there's more to it. OK, we have there's more. <laughs> there's more than that. Right. Way more than that. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. That's so, so Texas. All right. So this is Carthage, Texas, which is a small town of about 6000 people. Oh. In far east Texas. Oh, okay. um, it's maybe it's about seven thousand people now, but we are going to be in the eighties and nineties. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good yeah. times. So, the, like, we're talking East Texas, like almost to the Texas Louisiana border, right, right there. All right. So, it is home of the largest gas field in the U.S. <laughs> we, <Woo-hoo>, right? <laughs> we and are gas. Because of that, there were a lot of rich people. Oh, yeah. In this little town, right? Because they got rich off the gas and the oil field. Smart, smart. Okay. So our story is about Bernie Tita. Bernie. Bernie. And Um, Tita. And Tita. So his last name is spelled T-I-E-D-E, but it's pronounced Tita. Or at least that's how they do. All right. (laughs) That's how they do it in Texas. We'll go with it. (laughs) So he moved to Carthage in the mid 80s. He was a sweet, soft-spoken man with chubby cheeks in his late 20s. Okay. Okay. Just 
chubby cheeks. You're like, all right, chubby cheeks. Chubby he cheeks. was just, yeah, he was like a, a little squirrel. No. Yeah, he wasn't. Um, yeah, he had a mustache. Of course, that was bigger then, right? He's got the mustache. <laughs> so um, Yosemite Sam. He's just, yeah. It's he Texas. Was just, yeah, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a Texas sized mustache. Mm. It was a more clean cut mustache. Okay. But he just, he wasn't like a guy in his 20s who works out. He was a little on the pudgier yeah. side. Yep. Uh, but, but good looking. Okay. He was hired as a funeral director and mortician at the local funeral home. Oh boy, that's yeah. That's fun. not it's yeah, not your I mean, typical. Some people late twenties right type job. People don't usually right. Yeah, okay. Um, and he was it's calling exceptionally good. Oh, at his job. In what way? Like, well, how he, are you good uh, right, at, okay. at with dead people? <laughs> right. Well, he was known for his skills of making the recently deceased look very peaceful and at rest. Oh, okay. You know, like his his makeup skills. Oh, all right. So he actually, actually worked on the bodies. He wasn't just like handling the funerals. No, he did. He actually worked on the bodies. He wow. did the embalming and stuff. Whoa. Plus, he could preach. He had a really great singing voice and he would oh. um, sing at the services like triple threat. He's like, uh, he was, I'm telling <laughs> he can you. do makeup. He can sing. Right? He, he can also, embalm. He also, um, from what I gathered, was pretty good at upselling people on like oh, yes. caskets and stuff. Yes. Like he, this casket has a silk pillow. Right. Exactly. Well, you know, they are going to spend eternity in there. <laughs> so I'm just saying they won't know, but. But okay. you'll know that you put them in <laughs> a wood box. So, you know, he was he was very good at he was very good at all yep. the aspects. I'm sure, of his especially job. when you're you're grieving and you love that person so much you want him to have Oh the my best god, the right? Best. You can't yeah. imagine, right? Mm-mm. Bernie grew up in East Texas. A year after his birth, his parents were in a car accident that killed oh. his mother. Oh no. And his father was in the car too. <gasps> and his father felt like he was responsible oh, for her no. death. He had the survivor's um, guilt. Yes. Uh, so then he started drinking really heavily to deal with the guilt. Shit. And he died when Bernie was just 15. Oh, this poor so, kid. Oh right. my God. So I think this is what kind of guided him mm-hmm. into this career path. Like he experienced a lot of death and mourning. Yeah. As so he, he was understood in his it. developmental years, right? Yeah. So it felt so, almost like home a little bit. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, he really related to these people. So okay. he became very popular within the town of Carthage. I mean, it was a small town. Everybody knew right, everybody. You know, yeah. Your reputation was what Everything. meant the most, yeah. right? Everyone, you know, right. Oh, yeah. We have that here. Right. So they, he he became really popular. He always had a nice thing to say or a compliment awesome. to give somebody. Everybody knew him. Everybody mm-hmm. loved him. He sang in the church. Yeah. He sang in the church choir. He taught oh. Sunday school. He acted wow. and sang many times starring in the community plays. Jeez. He was known as a gourmet cook. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He would cook okay. for people. And he's only in his 20s. <laughs> he's like, yeah, right. <laughs> what? The, what? Okay. So the, as I was saying, the loss he experienced in early childhood enabled him to become, to make an instant connection with the families that he was helping at the funeral home. You know, he could relate for sure. Right. He took special care of the widows going as far as. Oh yeah, he did. (laughs) (laughs) Now we know why he was so popular. So he took special care of the widows. He would visit them after the services, like the day later or a week after, uh, check in on them, bring them gift baskets. 
Um, and they were very appreciative. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm sure they the only thing I could envision when you were saying that was um, Justin Timberlake's dick in a box. <laughs> It's wow. a dick in a box. It's oh, a dick in a box. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry, that's all I could, you know, because he was helping. Because he was bringing the widow's the gifts. Widows. No. <laughs> oh, Sorry. My God. No, it was a lot more innocent than that. <laughs> okay, good. It was good, a good. lot more innocent all than right. that. But he was so good at what he did, and they knew that he would take special care of the widows and check on them and stuff, that there were literally elderly women who were requesting in advance that he do their funeral. Oh, because sweet, they, knew they knew he would, he yeah. was going to make them look good and it was going to be, you know, great. And they want, there was, let's see, they wanted him to quote, sing them into heaven. Oh, wow. Like they were like, Oh, I want <laughs> you to be singing amazing grace at my funeral and sing Aww. me into heaven. Oh yeah. That's right? cute. Yeah. He must've really been good. Right. So really good. He was really good, right? <laughs> so in March of 1990, Rod Nugent, Carthage's wealthiest banker and oil man. And brother of away. Ted? Oh, no, okay. No, not, I don't think, he, well, I don't know if there's any <laughs> Probably relation. Probably not. <laughs> okay, so the wealthiest dude passes. The wealthiest dude passes, right? And his widow, Marjorie, went to the local funeral home and met with Bernie. Okay. She was 74 at the time. Marjorie Nugent. Um, she was also well known in the town of Carthage, but for kind of having the opposite effect on people. Oh, like you want to she avoid this one. Was rude to everybody, Ew, even great. family. Oh. The word that came up a lot in things I was reading and watching was cantankerous. Oh, <laughs> like <laughs> I heard kind. it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. She's cantankerous. So, but to really give you a feel for this. Oh, good. I found an article written by her nephew, Joe Rhodes, for the oh, New no. York Times in 2012. And okay. I have some quotes. And I was like, I feel like this really paints a picture for you here. <laughs> okay. Uh, Aunt Marge once threatened to put me in a mental institution because I wouldn't cut my hair. <laughs> <laughs> you damn hippie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she chased me around her yard with garden shears oh. because I wouldn't clean out a wasp's nest with my bare hands. Oh, my God. March. Come on. Uh, yeah. When I was 14, she locked me in her house for two days and wouldn't let me call home. Whoa. Finally, when Aunt Marge went to the grocery store, the maid, who was sympathetic to my plight, unlocked the bedroom door so I could get to the phone and beg my mother to come get me. Oh, my God. She did. And it was the last time I went to Aunt Marge's house. Yeah. I'm never going back there again. Damn. Right. Oof. It reminds me of some movie. <laughs> oh, Mommy Dearest. Yikes. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Then uh, there was another part where he says there were darker stories that I didn't even know until the last few years. Oh, no. Aunt Marge, who loved to sew and shop and didn't have a daughter of her own, tried to get custody of my sister, Carrie, by having our parents declared unfit. Oh, wow. <laughs> she, she wanted her own doll. Uh, basically. Right. She claimed that my father was an alcoholic, which wasn't true. He barely drank. And that she could provide a more stable or suitable upbringing. Um, oh. It didn't work, but apparently she was serious enough to meet with attorneys. Jesus, what a right. psycho. Right. Okay. So it's not just that she was mean and rude and wealthy, yeah. but oh, and in the same article, it said she was 12 years older than my mother 
and spent a life and spent a lifetime ba- bossing her around. Yeah. It says in quotes, she was so demanding, my mother said, if you did something she didn't think was up to her standards, she'd tear it up and make you do it again. So this was like not even when she became wealthy, like this was her whole life. She was just this this lady was just angry and nasty. Right. Somebody married her. Someone married her and made her very wealthy. All right. So this is this is Marjorie Nugent. Okay. And and people, this was her family that wrote this about her. Okay, <laughs> this was her. They, they got the inside scoop, right? For sure. So um, there was oh god, there was a quote that I read or I saw that it was uh, Marjorie Nugent's nose was so up high up in the air that if it rained, she could drown. Oh, or something to that because <laughs> I'm pouring in. Right, I always thought she that was sounds crazy. lovely. Right. Mm. But Bernie somehow looked past all that and saw a grieving widow who needed help making her husband's arrangements um, as her only son and grandchildren lived at least two hours away in the Dallas area. Wow. So she was making all these arrangements by herself. Also, I don't think they had a very close relationship. Yeah, I I would bet. Plus, Marge probably has money to get better caskets. Right. Yes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So he's like, "Mm, I'll help you. Bernie did his his usual. He took care of Marge at the funeral and went to visit her afterwards and brought her gift baskets and stuff, just like he did everybody else. Right. Dick in a box. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I can't get that out of my head now. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right. To everyone's surprise, in the weeks after the funeral, the residents of Carthage witnessed Bernie and Marjorie around town together, oh, shopping boy. and going to dinner. Oh, Bernie, he did bring her a gift. Mm-hmm. Ew. And he's in his twenties. <gasps> he's in his. Tw- She's yeah. in her seventies. Well, no, at this point, I think he's he he's thirty uh, something. He might be in his in his early thirties now. Oh boy. They actually began going on weekend trips together to New York to see Broadway shows. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Although there was a 42-year age <gasps> difference between them. She could have been his grandma. Uh-huh. <laughs> Some people in town thought of them as a couple because they were seen sometimes holding hands. <gasps> um, it was said that they would kiss, but it wasn't, it was weird. They said it wasn't overly romantic, but more than, than like how you would kiss your mother. It was kind of a weird, it was weird, right? I'm sure everybody's uncomfortable in this situation. But there were others who questioned Bernie's sexuality. Ah. Bernie was very effeminate. And in the early 90s in a small town in East Texas, being gay wasn't readily accepted. So Bernie ended up being a closeted gay man. Okay, so he could be... So I've got my gay friends and they're very, uh, my, one of mine is very affectionate. You know, he's mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. right. So maybe, yes. you know, he's just affectionate. So now picture this slightly overweight, well-kept, super, super kind. Mm-hmm. Hmm. He could be gay. I'm not quite not sure. Quite sure right. right. So this was, it was still really weird because like literally people hated her. Right. <laughs> so why are you her. wanting right? to be around this woman? So Bernie did admit that yeah he was a gay man but it was you know it wasn't something he talked about and he met with men privately your relationships your own he had said that that was a topic that just never came up between him and marjorie oh they just never discussed it so it's unknown whether marjorie 
New or not. New or not. If she thought they were a couple, if she thought they were friends, it was. Yeah. She doesn't seem like the most accepting type. Right. right? I mean, with her own nephew or whoever that she. Well, I mean, she does like well-kept hair and and Bernie was a very well-kept See, gay that, man. Yeah, maybe he was he was well-dressed. Maybe so maybe she appreciated she was well- that. So Marjorie and her husband had had a staff of people working for them at their 10,000 square foot Whoa. estate. You'd have to have people working for you because you'd be like, <laughs> where's know. the front door? Right. I Right. Exactly. Dang. But in the years that followed, she let go of just about everyone but the gardener. And asked Bernie to quit the funeral home and work for her as her personal assistant, business manager, and travel companion. Oh, that's asking a lot. Right? Oh, okay. At the funeral home, Bernie had been making about $24,000. No, $24,000? Yeah, $24,000 a year, right? Yeah. It's not a very lucrative. No, I didn't realize that. I think that's why a lot of people live there. Yeah. I know there's some funeral homes where they like they live in a. Yeah. Which. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) With Marjorie, not only was she going to give him a salary, but he had access to her wealthy lifestyle. Oh, absolutely. Took him on a cruise down the East Coast. She paid for trips to England, Germany, Scotland. They they traveled down the Nile and visited the pyramids. Oh, that's amazing. Right. So (laughs) you're asking a lot, though, to put up with an angry person all the time. A grumpy. I don't know. I mean, they had kind of a rapport or an understanding of each other. Right. Okay. Um, She also took him on lavish shopping sprees. And Bernie did like to look good. Yeah. Yeah. Bernie liked to Mm -hmm. swag. All right. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So as long as he can put up with her. Right. He remained living in his very modest home. Oh. Uh, He spent his days basically at her beck and call. Okay. Personal assistant. He had helped her with anything and everything she needed help with, from making sure she was up and making her coffee to taking her to appointments, cooking her meals. He did her laundry. I mean, all the way to... He washed out her pantyhose and clipped her toenails. Oh, that's like, going too far. I, Just take her to an appointment. I'm not touching her toes. I know, right? No. no. Like he did, he would read to her. I mean. Okay. okay, that part, I can handle all the rest. The toe clippings, no. Yeah, you, I gotta draw. No. Especially. I draw the line. Older people toes. Yeah, I can't. Mm, they, they don't. Nope. I'm sorry, everyone. They don't mm-hmm. get better with age. I've never been a foot person. Nope. My age does not do any favors to the feats. Nope. So, right. Along with the salary she paid him, Marjorie showered him with gifts. Mm. Uh, clothes, a $7,000 Rolex. Oh, jeez. She gifted him flying lessons and the planes to go with it. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, right. She eventually gave him access to her checkbook. To oh, pay her sweet. bills. She wanted him to manage her money, right? Uh-oh. Okay. And she, according to him, encouraged him to spend some of her money on himself. Mm. Okay. Yep. He's coming home to his modest abode with a Porsche. Right. Exactly. <laughs> In 1991, which is only, I think, like a year, a year and a half after her husband passed. Yeah. She had her will rewritten, rewritten to leave everything to Bernie and not a dime to her family. Oh, no. Dang, she's cold. Yeah. 
Okay. And so Bernie turned around and used the money to help the people of Carthage. Oh, Oh, yep. he really is he a good made, person. Yeah, he made donations to schools. He made donations to the church. He helped people with small personal loans. Wow. Uh, scholarships. Wow, that's awesome. Yep, good. exactly. Like, that's what he did. So she was like, this money is going to be yours. I want you to use it. So this is how he chose to use it. How sweet. Okay. I'm liking Bernie more, but not her right? so much. Yeah. For a time, Marjorie seemed to be different. She was happier. She was living out her life, doing the things that she loved, like traveling, okay. seeing shows. And has a personal servant, basically. And has a personal. Well, yeah, and that would make me pretty happy. <laughs> that helps. Yeah. <laughs> might improve my attitude. Yeah. Yeah. This is the kind of stuff she never did while she was married to her husband. Uh, okay. You know, I don't know if he just wasn't into it or whatever. And he was gone and she was like, you know what? I've always wanted to travel. I've always wanted to. Yeah, you've got um, the money. Do it. Bernie liked doing this stuff. So, yeah. so it was a perfect combo. Right. But she slowly over the years began to resent Bernie's other interests and friends. Because, you know, she wanted him all to herself. did have a personal life yeah, kept in the closet. Him. So obviously he had nights that he would yeah. say, I'm unavailable. Right. Which he should be able to. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> free will and all that. Right, right. Uh, she became more and more possessive. Oh, fine. Um, she really wanted him available to her 24-7. She wanted a manservant and she was willing to pay for it. You can get more than one. Maybe she needed a, a night manservant and a thinking. day manservant. She needed an AM and a PM yes. is what she needed. Yeah. Or eight-hour shifts, something yeah. like that. So, you don't have to have cash, that one man. person. Exactly. That was the flaw in her plan right yeah. there. She tried to do it all with one person. So you got to expand. Yep. <laughs> um, so over the next few years, Marjorie's behavior towards Bernie turned uh, verbally and mentally abusive. Oh, fun. I was wondering if he would get they, it too. Yep, exactly. They had arguments and Bernie would tell her that he couldn't be her companion anymore. And Margie would throw a tantrum and oh, guilt God. trip him into staying. Oh, my God. I gave you all this money. And you're exactly. Gonna, yeah. You hate me too. Everybody hates me. You know, Bernie felt trapped and suffocated, but he had also grown to love Marjorie and he felt too guilty to leave her. He really was like, I don't know what to do. And nobody else. She doesn't have a relationship with anybody else. Right. But that's kind of her own fault. But still, I I get it. Exactly. Right. So a week before Thanksgiving 1996, as he and Marjorie were walking to the car in the garage. Bernie took a small rifle that was used. They, they used it to shoot armadillos and birds on the property. <laughs> Some armadillos. They didn't want I to guess, get leprosy. They were like, I don't, know. don't get I close guess, to me. Do, do armadillos carry yeah, leprosy? Yeah, they carry leprosy. <laughs> I, see, I don't know why I know that little trivia, but yeah. This is why our podcast is very educational as well. This is brand new information. Yes. I would have pet an armadillo. I would have had I no idea. I would have idea. too, had so I not known go. about this. Yeah. Right, okay. So no petting of armadillos, it. right? All right. So he took the small rifle that that was at the house. Oh, God. And shot Marjorie four times in the back, killing her. Okay, there were different ways to deal with this. Um, (laughs) Bernie. There were options, right? There's other options. He then dragged her to a small standalone freezer in a closet that they called a deep freeze. Oh, yes. We know this one. He removed the frozen food. Oh, well, Marjorie. that's nice. <laughs> yeah, he, he did didn't... take the frozen food. Oh, no, no, wait, wait. <laughs> oh, no. He took the food out. As it was said, um, Marjorie was a child of the Depression. She didn't waste anything. 
things were oh, frozen. Yes. Mm-hmm. We, we prepared. So she was only five foot two. So she fit in there real easy. Oh, God. He wrapped her in a sheet. Oh, God. Put her into the bottom and then covered her with the frozen food. <laughs> He's like, this is still usable. I'm right. going <laughs> to. So she didn't want me to waste the food. Oh, no. Gross. Right. Okay. And oh. then he closed the freezer and taped it shut. <gasps> mm-hmm. Okay, that the tape is kind of a, a tell, right? You got that somebody was my, visiting. That was my first thought. Was man, the tape. If I saw that, I'd be like, uh, "What don't is, they want me to see?" Yeah, who why is the it freezer taped? closed? Right, or what in there? Actually, what it makes me start to think about is all the episodes of Hoarders I've seen, and usually oh. when there's a taped freezer, it's because. <laughs> shit has spoiled and it's nasty yeah and they don't want to deal with it in there right so they <laughs> tape it closed right so that's what i kept picturing oh gross. okay for the next several months oh no bernie told one lie after another as to where marjorie was mm-hmm. she's traveling the uh, world again right um she was out of state visiting her sister which mm. again she didn't get along she with doesn't her yeah um that she had a stroke and was recovering in a hospital or a fancy rehab facility a couple towns over because she didn't mm. want anyone to know oh right you know that kind of things the lies grew more elaborate oh and bernie became more and more generous with marjorie's money well People aren't too worried that she's gone then because they didn't enjoy her anyway. Right. They were just kind of like, all right. Uh, um, he he bought himself a few more small planes. Oh, is that all? <laughs> yeah. He invested in a few of the town's businesses. Well, that's very helpful. He purchased cars for people who couldn't afford them. Wow. He donated to the church, the school, gave people loans, helped students this pay for so college. Smart. Because I, then nobody's gonna want to question you where are she's so at. dead right. Uh, Some people were like, Does he have her locked up at home? And other people were like, Who cares? <laughs> He's awesome. Like we're whatever. getting all we we need here. Yeah. Nobody Why are we worried? right, exactly. Oh okay. So over the next nine months. Oof. Bernie spent about $2 million. Oh, dang. In like gifts and all that, right? Yeah. Some people who were trying to get a hold of Marjorie were trying, starting to get suspicious. Uh Uh-oh. That she wasn't returning calls. Like she can't always be in the bathroom, right? Right. (laughs) Um, Her stockbroker, for one, was frustrated that he couldn't get her in to sign several important documents. Mm. He ended up calling the sheriff's department. Oh, shit. He should have made sure he got power of attorney before she died, ah, before he killed her. That would have been See? smart. Uh, someone else had made an anonymous call Uh-oh. saying that we think Marjorie's missing. <laughs> wow. Right. So at this point, the sheriff's like, well, maybe we should call her son, Rod Jr. Oh, okay. okay. On August 19th, 1997, Rod Jr., one of his daughters and several deputies went to Marjorie's home Uh-oh. looking for something to indicate where she was like was she there is there something we could find Shit. right that's exactly what i wrote it was the tape on the freezer uh-huh. that made them go in there because they probably see? wouldn't have checked no you see tape on something oh no right. bernie upon opening the freezer the top of her head was slightly visible among the frozen marie oh. calendar chicken <laughs> pot pies I'm not making that up. That was information that I read. Oh, my God. (sighs) He should have actually bought more of the pies. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. apparently. Also, if he was, well, I guess he's not funeral director anymore, but I was like, wow, that would have been an easy way to get rid of her body. Right? Oh my God. People had said that. They were like, Dude, you fly planes, drop her off into the into the Gulf. Yeah, what are you, I don't know how you would do that if you're yeah. flying the plane by yourself. But <laughs> true. So, right. But he was a funeral director. Yeah. He had access to cremation services, uh, all kinds of burial stuff. Totally. Cemeteries like. Could it just put her in with another body? In a weird, right? That was getting buried. Yeah. Oh, so scary. Uh, the freezer was removed from the home and hauled onto a pickup truck and attached to a generator to take to the coroner's office. They didn't Good. want to start like- thawing on the way. Well, it's August in Texas. She was going to start the thaw. Yeah, so- Anybody want a pot pie for the road? <laughs> oh, Those are some Ew. good popsicles. Ew. <laughs> There's hair in my popsicle. Oh, oh my God. I can't even. <laughs> sorry. Okay. Um, so it did take two hours. Or I'm sorry, two days to thaw her body in order to oh, perform wow. the autopsy. Wow. She was deep freeze. So, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, I think my mom told me once you need almost 24 hours to defrost <sighs> a turkey. So that's true. You're right. So we're talking about a five foot two person. <laughs> it's going to take some time. <sighs> so within hours of the gruesome discovery, Bernie was located because he was just out yeah, of hanging out. Carthage, yeah. Right. Um, and taken to the sheriff's department for questioning, okay. where he broke down in tears and confessed. Oh, I'm Bernie. He told them that Marjorie was a friend and a traveling companion, but over the years she had become very hateful and possessive. Mm-hmm. He even considered her evil and wicked. Oh. Yeah, she really did a number on him. Yeah, well, she sounds like she did it to a lot of people. He She's said, this is what he told the police. That for a few months, he had even considered clubbing her with a bat, but didn't want her to suffer. So instead, he shot her with the rifle that was kept in the garage that they used for the birds. In the wow. I guess I shouldn't laugh at that. Ooh, but still. I know. But it's just like, if you don't want you to, if you don't want to look real guilty, like you're like, yeah. well, she was really, well, you know, I, I contemplated hitting her I, with a bat. I, mean, I very much know, planned this ahead. That's information oh. he could have yeah, kept he to just, himself, right? Yeah, not shared. So he was arrested and charged with premeditated murder. And this is important. Mm -hmm. It was premeditated murder. But like you said, no one in Carthage could believe that Bernie was capable of hurting anything, let alone killing anyone. And if he had, the consensus was Marjorie had done something awful to provoke him. (laughs) They were like, she kind of deserved it. She's kind of a bitch. Totally believable to everybody. Wow. Plus, he was doing so much good for the yeah. community. The county district attorney, Danny Buck Davis- Davidson. Buck? How's that for a oh. Texas name? Hey, Buck. Danny Buck Davidson. <laughs> he was he was the one prosecuting the case. And he lived in Carthage. Oh. And people would come up to him in town and say things like, leave Bernie alone. I bet. Or, Go easy on him or multiple people, multiple people said something along the lines of, I hope I'm on that jury so I can make sure he doesn't go to jail. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I get it. He was actually doing good where Marjorie was kind of being a right. He was like, this woman was killed. Yeah. <laughs> a woman was killed. Yes. And they're like, they're like, yeah, but to go to she, she was a bitch, deserved but, it. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Right. So it got to the point, and this I thought was pretty interesting, that 
the DA asked the judge for a change of venue, citing he couldn't find 12 jurors in the county willing to convict Bernie. Wow. That was crazy because usually it's the um, the other way around asking going, they know too much and they're not going to find him innocent. This was I was like, that's insane. (laughs) It's like we all love this guy too much. No. Wow. The change of venue was granted and the trial was held 50 miles north in St. Augustine, Texas. Okay. In February of 1999. Wow. People stood outside the courthouse yelling, we love you, Bernie. Oh, Oh, they were. Wow. But they were able to pick jurors who had never heard of Bernie before. Okay. So he was popular, but in his little circle. In his little circle. He wasn't like nationwide, right? (laughs) Danny or DA Danny Buck Davidson presented a case of Buck. greed Danny Buck Davidson <laughs> greed and betrayal mm-hmm. Bernie Tita's lawyer Clifton Scrappy Holmes oh my god what is happening <laughs> like we we're back in, in east, the 40s with the game we're in east Texas man we got <laughs> Scrappy and Scrappy <laughs> running the trial here seems like cartoons um, okay he argued that Bernie's relationship with Marjorie had become toxic and abusive Oh, yeah. Marjorie was 81 at the time of her murder. And she had a heart condition. Why didn't he just wait it out? Uh, Exactly. Um, But Bernie had become so suffocated and trapped that he shot Marjorie in an act of passion. And it was not premeditated. And then Bernie testified in his own defense. Oh, Bernster. Come on. (laughs) Right. Oh, no. He told the jury that he arrived at Marjorie's house around 7 a.m. to make her coffee as usual. Then he went back home to take a shower. Before he left, he noticed the 22 caliber rifle that she kept around for the mm. armadillos, and, for those armadillos. and the squirrels, right? Mm. And moved it into a bathroom near the garage. Mm. That's premeditation. Mm, okay. Right. He came back to the house around 10 a.m. to drive her to the dry cleaners. I don't know why he had to drive her, why he couldn't just take her to the dry, take the stuff without her. Right. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe she then they go to lunch right along. Know. Yeah. Right. Maybe she had to bitch at the dry cleaners about yeah, what she wanted probably, them to do. Probably sounds like the type. She went into the garage in front of Bernie uh, mm-hmm. and Bernie took the rifle from the bathroom. When she bent down to pet her dog. Oh, he shot her in the back and she fell she fell after the first shot, but was still breathing. Oh. So he stood over her Ooh. and shot three more times at close range. Yeah, that's pretty personal. Doesn't sound good, right? No. Also, she likes dogs. She can't be that horrible. Yeah, she had a dog. Right? I'm supr- that really surprises me. I assume she, she would hate any she, animal. Right. Well, she certainly doesn't like the armadillos, the squirrels, no. and the <laughs> Then we can shoot. (laughs) Yeah, but she got one dog she likes. Okay. He described how he dragged her body down a hallway and into Mm. the utility room to the deep freeze. He said how he stuffed her inside and covered her with food. He told all this in court. Yeah. Mm. He said how he hosed away the blood in the garage. He's not helping himself. He found the spent rifle shells and threw them away. Uh Uh-huh. And then he left the rifle next to the freezer and taped it up and went on with his day. (laughs) In fact, he went to a rehearsal at the college for the upcoming production of Guys and Dolls that he was starring in. Well, he just happened. And after, yeah. And after rehearsal, he took the cast to Pizza Hut and brought everyone dinner. (laughs) 
with Marjorie's money. <laughs> At least he's giving back. Right. Okay. He said he was a terrible liar and he lived in fear for nine months that he would be found out. Mm. But to everyone else, he seemed fine, like nothing had mm. happened. Um, he had he kept on singing in the church choir. He kept he kept wow. up Marjorie's house. He paid her bills. He just kept so going. In a way, he was feeling like trapped himself still like there was no way out of it. So he knew exactly, it was going right? to come after him. Oh. The thing that was weird was, like you said. He could have just put up with her until she died naturally. Yeah. I can't imagine she would have been around for much longer. You but I don't know how bad she really was. How that's true. Trapped, the, right. Especially if you're getting abused daily verbally daily. or otherwise. Exactly. But at the same time, he had his own house. Yeah. He can get he away. He could have walked away. Like he didn't even Absolutely. live there. It's not like I have nowhere else to go. Like that's yeah. true. You're right. He could have disposed of her body in a number of ways, mm-hmm. but. As he put it, he wanted to give her a proper burial. In the deep freeze? <laughs> eventually, <laughs> okay. I guess. Oh, all right. He, plans. he said he knew eventually she would be found. I don't think he hmm. anticipated that it was going to take nine months. Yeah. So he just kind of. Uh, he was going. just kind of waiting for it to happen. Whoa. He told the jury that Marjorie wanted him to enjoy her money. She had told him that many times, and that's Mm. why she changed her will. So he spent the months after her murder doing what she asked, even though it looks really shady. Yeah. (laughs) Like really, um, really shady. You did kill her, though, but. So this was a premeditated murder trial, and it lasted a week. Oh. And it took the jury 20 minutes to find him guilty of first degree murder, and he was sentenced to life. Oh, boy, Burns. Come on. That's not the end of the story. Oh, there's more? There's more. But wait, there's more. But wait, (laughs) does it come with Get a second freezer for a dollar. No. (laughs) Pre-used as a coffin. Mm -hmm. Ah. Texas native Richard Linklater, I think that's how you say his name, an Mm. independent filmmaker known for his movies, including Dazed and Confused, School of Rock. Yeah. Um, Those are the ones that I know the best. There's a bunch of other ones, right? Okay. He had been following the story of Bernie Tita and Mm. actually attended his trial. Ooh. Okay. He was from the Austin area. So he was a Ah, Texas native. He heard about the must have read about it in the paper yeah, or whatever like, oh, internet this could be a great production so he and journalist skip hollinsworth again skip oh, we got all that, right come on skip. um who had also been reporting on the story they wrote a s- screenplay together about bernie ah, is it called weekend at bernie's <laughs> no no oh. it's not it's oh. not <laughs> um it took several years but richard directed the movie a dark comedy titled Bernie. Oh. Starring Jack Black as Bernie. What? Shirley MacLaine as Marjorie Nugent and Matthew McConaughey as Danny Buck Davidson. Now, I have not heard of this. I watched it specifically for this. Okay. I have to say the movie was more dark than comedy in my opinion. I don't know that I laughed out loud anywhere, but it was was interesting. 
Yes, it was interesting. <laughs> okay. um, Jack Black really embodied Bernie. Wow. Okay. Um, Shirley MacLaine looked a lot like Marjorie Nugent. Marjorie. But really, do you do you remember her in um, Steel Magnolias? Oh, Lisa. Yes. Yes. That's. Her role wasn't much different. Okay. She was the rich lady who everybody hated and she oh. hated everybody. Yeah. It was, she was just classier in this. Well, who but, played uh, Mommy Dearest? I keep thinking it was her, but maybe not. No, that was, um, no, it was Faye Dunaway. Oh, and, yes. Faye Dunaway. Oh, my God. I watched a couple shows and I have pictures of Danny Buck Davidson. Okay. And he is an older gentleman. He, someone described him as he looks like a bulldog, and that's fairly accurate. <laughs> So he's and not yet, Matthew McConaughey. Yes. He was the only one that I was like, yeah, you guys just pulled in a name. Like you, <laughs> you, just, you wanted just wanted a good wanted, name on there. <laughs> right. You just wanted something else for the marquee because it did not match up. Oh, wow. At all. <laughs> in fact, I watched the movie before I watched this like 48 hours or 2020. And when I saw him, I was like, that's not Matthew McConaughey. Oh. <laughs> What? Like, what? what the hell is this shit? So, so, all right. Oh, Richard uh, Linklater, the, uh, so I think he went by Rick. Rick okay. and Jack Black actually visited and interviewed Bernie in prison. Oh, wow. Because Jack Black was very big on, you know, if I'm going to play a real person, yeah, I have access I gotta, to him. I want to, yeah, I gotta right. be him. They wanted to be, and wow. Jack Black can sing. So they did a yes. lot of like the church things where he cool. was singing and it was, it fit really well. I love well, him. Right? Yes. So the movie premiered in Austin, which was Rick's hometown in 2012. So this oh. took a while, right? Okay. It's 2012. Appeals lawyer Jody Cole was at the movie premiere oh and was God. sure from the movie that there was more to the story. Oh, interesting. In my hmm. opinion, the movie left out some of the more negative details ah gotcha but trying to make bernie more angelic i i i think it yeah was a okay. little biased towards bernie but yeah. anyway he Makes was still sense. very likable like even in interviews and stuff so anyway <laughs> you know like he was doing it like oh lord no or oh yeah like he was very oh, yes you know yes very proper yeah so anyways so this appeals lawyer jody cole she approached uh richard Linkletter and asked him if he had the trial transcripts he was oh. like sure so he brought her boxes of file transcripts and wow. she poured through them and found that the trial was built on the fact that this was premeditated murder right okay that okay. was yeah that was they the built basis it up, right so she did a bunch of digging and discovered that bernie had owned several books for victims of childhood sexual abuse Oh, wow. Okay. Right. So she went and visited him in prison and he admitted for the first time to anyone Aww. that when he was 12, his uncle had begun molesting him Ugh. and it had gone on for years. Oh, poor kid. He already had a horrible childhood with right? his parents I mean, dying. Really, dude? Serious, right? So then they had forensic psychiatrist uh, Richard Pesikoff meet with Bernie and he diagnosed him with dissociative disorder. Oh. And his report said, Mr. Tita's ability to repress and compartmentalize the abusive events from childhood and adolescence was ultimately overwhelmed by the repeated and extensive psychological abuse he suffered from Mrs. Nugent. Ugh. The end result 
his loss control, his loss of control over his emotions and behavior is evidenced in his final actions towards Mrs. Nugent. Oof. Okay. So, so it was his opinion that Bernie murdered Marjorie during a dissociative episode brought on by the stress of her abuse where they said his body acted without his mind being present. And so Bernie shot Marjorie involuntarily. Whoa, that's a stretch, but yeah, I get it. I know. As I'm writing this story, do you remember when I did the episode on Candy Montgomery, which was one dissociation Uh, for murder? Yes. That was also Texas. Interesting. And and she had a dissociative episode and killed somebody with a flipping axe. Yeah, that was brutal. Brutal and hit it. And she walked, she walked away. Yeah. She was not guilty. And that was probably, I think that was in the, that was in the early eighties because they talked about going to the star Wars movie that I thought about her hair. I was like, right, oh yeah, exactly. Early her 80s. hair and her glasses. That was early eighties. <laughs> so this is only like maybe 15, 20 years later, but this is a guy, a gay man in Texas, mm-hmm. and he's gonna use the same defense. Uh, is it the same psychiatrist? He's he's telling everyone. <gasps> I wonder. I should Google that. I don't know. All dissoci- right? They are all have dissociative disorder. Oh, so Interesting. The psychiatrist who had worked for the DA in the original trial uh-huh. read this report. And he agreed that the abuse could have made Bernie vulnerable to toxic relationships. Oh, totally. Not willing to leave, right? Right. He's used to it. There was also evidence that Bernie's handwritten confession from the police, which was a key element in the Mm. premeditated murder conviction, may have been coerced by threatening to expose his sexuality. (sighs) And release some of his private videotapes. So maybe the confession wasn't all on the up and up. Uh, That's dirty. I know. So Jody Cole presented her findings to DA Danny Buck Davidson, who said, I know, who said in light of this new information, he would have gone for a lesser conviction and a lighter Mm. sentence. He (sighs) would not have done premeditated. He no longer believed it was premeditated. Wow. Really? Right. Holy cow. Okay. He actually started working with Jody Cole to have Bernie's sentence thrown out. And in Whoa. May of 2014, the sentencing part was thrown out. Whoa. Okay. He's still guilty, but he's still guilty. Okay. But the sentencing was thrown out and he was released from prison until a new sentencing trial Whoa. could be ordered. Wow. Uh-huh. They didn't even just hold him. Wow. No. I guess they, they couldn't. Yep. Right. So when he was released, Richard Linkletter, the filmmaker, he was in the parking lot of the prison and took Bernie to his home in Austin Whoa. and let him live in his garage apartment. Holy balls. That's that's ballsy. Isn't this like crazy? <sighs> OK, Bernie created a new life for himself in Austin. He joined the gay men's choir. So he's out now. Awesome. Man. Yeah. Well, and Austin's <laughs> a lot more open minded. <laughs> OK. 
He's in the gay men's choir. He was welcomed into a new church. He even babysat Richard's kids. Yeah. Ooh, like, I'm going like, to let a no. murderer babysit my kids. Yeah. Wow. I mean, he really trusted him, which kind yeah. of shows a lot about how the movie went down. But anyway, <laughs> Bernie True. ended up being out for two years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. That was crazy. Having freedom and then knowing you got to go back. Oof. Right. So his resentencing was scheduled for April of 2016. D.A. Davidson recused himself from the case. Okay, he should have. Which, yeah. right. Um, <laughs> and he was replaced by two new prosecutors. Okay. They did not agree with any of this. They thought they got oh. it right the first time. Um, they thought the dissociative episode business was crap. Okay. And they went out to prove that it was elderly abuse and financial gain. Uh, yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. They were able to show that Bernie forged Marjorie's signature oh, on many occasion, occasions. Oh, That he kept two separate bank ledgers showing deposits <gasps> and withdrawals. Oh, one so. that he showed Marjorie mm. and one that was real. Oh, God. That he doctored bank statements by literally, like, not on the computer cutting and pasting, mm-hmm. literally cutting and pasting. Oh, old <laughs> right? school. Old school. Right? Yep. Um, I don't know if then he took it to like a copier or something yeah. so that he could see, but like, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's and a little they, dishonest. Yeah. So they set to prove that he had pocketed her money before and after yeah. her murder, right? Yeah. So he was obviously being dishonest. It wasn't like he, he was, was be- Yeah, he wasn't all on the angelic. Up up, right? Exactly. So starting back in December of 1990, Marjorie was writing checks to Bernie, the Bernie Tita Investment Fund. On a monthly basis. Uh-oh. So this is like, <laughs> this is, I think her husband died in February of 1990. So this uh, is like, what, 10 okay. months later? Okay. So That's he didn't have sus. an investment fund. Yeah. I'm like, like, what is it? <laughs> he's writing him checks, right? And okay. Bernie would show her bogus deposit slips to show that she was making a hefty return <gasps> on her investments. So he was fraudulent. He was creating. He was. A fake. Oh, shit. I know. Damn it, Bernie. Uh, I believe this you, is man. in the movie. None of this is in the movie, of course, because it was the movie later. came out and then right. Um, the Nugent family had questioned Marjorie's investments in Bernie, and that had pissed her off because this was her Bernie. Right. And and it's her money. So she's like, right. Why do you want from me? Exactly. To the point that uh they filed for an accounting of uh, Rod Nugent Sr.'s trust and Marjorie oh. refused Uh-oh. and they ended up suing her Jeez. and that's when she became estranged from her family and changed her will and all that. She's like, screw you guys. Oh, didn't trust any of them. Oh, no. Okay. The new prosecutors and the Nugent family believe Marjorie or the bank had finally become aware that Bernie was swindling mm. money and that's what prompted the murder. Yeah, that changes a lot of things. Yeah. That's a whole different kind of motive. Right, exactly. That makes it a little dirtier. Okay. According to the Nugent family, Bernie stole more than $3.5 million from them. About $2.5 from Marjorie Nugent's accounts and more than $1 million from a trust that Rod Nugent Sr. had set up for their four grandchildren. Wow, that sucks for the grandkids. Oh, shit. Burns. The 48 Hours episode that I watched, um, her three granddaughters gave a very different viewpoint of Marjorie. Oh. Although, I don't know how much I believe them. Really? 
I, something you about just it, feel, yeah. Something just didn't. They said that she was kind and extremely generous with them um, when they visited in 1993, which was actually two years after she had already changed her will. Right. Hmm. Um, that she was happy to see them. That she was very affectionate, kissing them. And then a year later in 94, when they went to visit, Marjorie claimed not to know who they were. Whoa. And when she opened the door or when they when they went in, like she was like, I don't know who you guys are. You should, you know, and they're like, no, grandma, this is us or whatever. They kept calling her granny. It's it just uh, didn't, it just didn't run didn't me right. Feel, you know? Yeah, it didn't feel truthful. Um, but they went into the house anyway. Hmm. which also was kind <laughs> which, of weird. who would be like yes come on in i don't know you right and they said that they noticed that all the photos of their grandfather had been replaced with photos of bernie <laughs> that could have been an april fool's joke and she just hadn't noticed yet <laughs> right? you're right oh that would have been a great one no <laughs> so you know i mm-hmm. i don't think felt... that bernie was totally on the up and up but something about something these three weird. women just they were like oh they were pissed about the movie they thought the movie got everything wrong they said that their grandmother was in love with bernie that she was like a schoolgirl in love and he played her from the beginning Mm -hmm. um the one granddaughter said that she believed that the moment marjorie purchased a thirty thousand dollar headstone for their grandfather that's an expensive rock jam right anyway that he made Marjorie his mark. Like uh, that was the like, oh, she's wealthy, wealthy. But he would have known that already. But everybody in Carthage already yeah. knew that. So and that he worked his way into her life just to get to her. Mark. Well, if everybody in the town, too, spoke so ill of her, it's obvious that she's not exactly nobody had right. ever seen that other side of her. Right. Except for maybe that article was Marjorie's sister was the point of view of Marjorie's sister. Mm -hmm. And Marjorie's sister's son, so her nephew. Okay. But these were the three granddaughters, the ones who were more in line with getting Mm -hmm. Rod's money. Mm -hmm. And they're the ones that were like, no, granny was awesome. La, 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 la. I don't know. It just just felt weird. I don't know. I just. A little greedy or something. Something was off. Something for me. Or maybe maybe they were romanticizing what it could have been or what they hoped she was. Maybe that's more what it was, right? I don't know. So anyway, so the new sentencing trial in April 2016 was again held outside of Carthage. Because everybody still has to (laughs) learn. We love you, Bernie. Right? Richard Linkletter was even, or Linklater, was even called to testify in Bernie's defense. Wow. And he testified that Bernie was a nice, generous man who did a horrible thing. Yeah. And Bernie admitted that he's like, I mean, he didn't testify in his, you know, this time. This time he was smart about it. Thank okay. God. But <laughs> he was interviewed in jail and he's like, no, I deserve to be in jail. I did a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I knew I deserved to be here, but this is why I did this, you know, whatever. His supporters really believe that Bernie had already paid for his crime with the 16 years he'd spent behind bars. It's a long time. Yeah. Right. They had Bernie's uncle testify. The okay. one who he said sexually abused him. This oh. man was ancient. He like oh. hobbled up there, right? Oh. He denied, of course, ever he's having abused his nephew, right? But he admitted to writing him a letter that was sexual in nature. Uh, dude, that yeah, makes so it even obviously worse. Obviously, they had this letter somewhere, so there was. Something... Uh, yeah, he knew he couldn't deny that. Right? Yeah. 
Because why right. else would you admit that unless yeah, they unless somebody had, had it. it? I don't know. It was weird, right? So I was like, mm, I don't know how much yeah, I trust that, that either. Pretty much. Bernie didn't testify. The jury still sentenced him to 99 years to life in prison. Wow. Yeah. Wow. All right. He will be eligible for parole in 2029 oh. when he will be 70 years old. Oh, he'll be like her age. Mm-hmm. Aye, aye, aye. Well, yeah. A little so, younger. That's where he's at. Oh. That is the story of Bernie Tita and Marjorie Nugent that became a movie called Bernie that I can't remember if it was on Hulu or Netflix or I'm going to have to look for Prime. that one. I don't know. I have them all. It was on one of them. I know. <laughs> Maybe it was so on ridiculous. Peacock. I don't know. I know. You know it's on I something. got rid of cable, so I didn't have to pay for all this shit that I didn't watch. And now we, I pay for all yep. these individual channels. So. We talk about that, too, all the time. Like, God damn it. They got us one know. way or another. They get you one way exactly. or another. Exactly. So I'm like, well, crap. I know. So anyway, I watched it on something. But it is. And it wasn't that. It was like a couple weeks ago. So huh. it's, it's out gonna there have if to you want to watch that it, out. So. Yeah. I love Jack Black. Um, and if you want to see the, if anybody listening wants to see the, um, the grandchildren and Ooh, message in, yeah. And let me know if anybody else got like a fake yeah. feeling from the granddaughters. Some I'd be sort of real vibe. curious to know. There was, I don't know. I just, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe I'm just under Bernie's spell too. He did. They were a lot of interviews of him and he was so nice. And he, uh, he's a charmer. He, I don't know, man. Yeah. So, Anyway, okay. so you can watch uh, 48 Hours, episode 29, or season 29, episode two, entitled The Mortician, The Murderer, and The Movie. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it's almost a Disney tale, but not quite. <laughs> right? My other sources were the NewYorkTimes.com, the DallasMorningNews.com, uh, Texas Monthly, and of course, Wikipedia, because I had to look up things about Carthage and all that kind of good Makes stuff. So, wow. That is all about... What? Crazy Bernie. story. Not to be confused with Weekend at Bernie's. I know. Also a crazy movie about, <laughs> about a dead, dead person. <laughs> That's why I was like, oh God, what did also he really a dark, do? Less dark comedy and just straight it's up just comedy. so funny. Um, and I did find the movie interesting. I just <laughs> didn't, I don't know. I don't think I would have put it as a dark comedy. Really? I don't know. Yeah. But it, but it wasn't a drama. Okay. It was just, just dark. Dark. It's just like it's they just got, like people were like kind of comparing it to like Fargo, and I go, oh no, I laughed oh, out loud at yeah, Fargo. Fargo was pretty. So I don't know, man. I huh. all right, I'll have to watch it and, right? and see what I think. Yes, he could have just waited her out. I know, <laughs> he just waited her freaking out. Better ways to do it, dude. Or, Better ways. I don't know. Again, the tape on the freezer. I know. Dead freaking giveaway. Yeah. That was the other thing. Okay, so there was one thing that I saw or watched or something where it was the deputy that went to the freezer, thought it was weird that there was tape Mm -hmm. and ripped it open, right? So I read that and saw that, I think, in two different places. But then on the 48 hours, one of the granddaughters who was being interviewed said that she went to the house and she made, she said she made a beeline for- for the freezer because she said knowing that my grandmother was a child of depression if she was going on an extended trip or leaving the house she would have put a bunch of stuff in the freezer because she didn't believe in wasting anything so she said she went right into the house made a beeline for the freezer opened it up and found her head and i'm like Uh, you know she's claiming she found it uh 
But I, I mean, saw from another source, at least one other source, it wasn't her. Okay. Interesting. So, I, I don't know, so but still, I'm know. like, you're telling me that you did, like, I could see if you went in there and you kind of looked around and you were just trying to figure out another way to see if she's been here or yeah, not. That would be the last you know, thing look to see of. like, okay, has she really been admitted into like a rehab center? Like there'd be yeah. bills, right? You know, but she made it sound like I made a beeline straight for the freezer and I'm the one that found her. And huh. I, something about that didn't sit well with me. Good Shit. story. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening oh, to that. <laughs> thank you. And thanks for putting up with us. Yeah. Having lives outside of this for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Like things got busy, yo. Mm. So we need to do this full time. We just we just need more I fans. Know. You guys get we're us more fans. More, we're going to need more fans. We're going to need someone to sponsor us and actually pay us a salary. That would be amazing. <laughs> I'd love to get paid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, I have people ask me. They're like, so are you going to like quit your job and do that full time? And I go, well, <laughs> It would be nice eventually. Oh, is that going to be soon? Well, right now I average about $5 a month doing this after we pay expenses. So so as soon as I can get that up to like a livable salary, then yeah. Sure, (laughs) sure. At this rate, hmm, it's not looking so. Let's just imagine that I get a dollar raise a year. So next year I'll make $6 doing it. When do you think I how 200 years later right so then he walked into the room with a gun how have you kept reporting for so long i'm just waiting to get paid someday someday god i love it all right right. we'll we'll see you next week bye Bye. thanks for listening to another episode of odfm If you're a longtime listener, hey, we cannot thank you enough for your continued support. And if you're a new listener, thanks for giving us a try. If you like us, please drop us a like, subscribe, or rate us so we can share our stories with more people around the world. And if you'd like more information, like links to our podcast and socials, along with our Patreon fan page, those links are all on Linktree under ODFM Podcast. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash ODFM Podcast. Side note, you guys, we're obsessed with fan art and we love making things with it, like stickers for our fans. So if you'd like us to use your designs, send it to us at ODFMPodcast at gmail.com. And if we use your design, we'll be sure to send you a sticker. Thanks for listening to another episode of ODFM, hosted by Kelly DeVries and Jenna Swanson. Production and editing by Kelly DeVries. Theme music by Eric Swanson. ODFM is a satirical true crime podcast for entertainment purposes only. The stories you hear are serious and true. The comments and opinions are not. We apologize if any of our content is harmful or disrespectful. 